If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Today, I am joined by former South Carolina governor, former ambassador to the United Nations, and current candidate for president of the United States, Nikki Haley. Governor, it is a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thanks so much, Tudor. It's great to be on, and please call me Nikki. Thank you so much. I want to talk about, you were recently on Jake Tapper's program over the weekend, and you talked about the cartels. The border was a winning issue in 2016, and it is certainly top of mind for those across the country as we see the mayor of New York City saying the city will collapse under the pressure of the influx of migrants. And I've often tried to explain to people, we don't actually have an open border. We have a border that is totally controlled by the cartels. So how do we take back control of our own border when it seems like a wall isn't enough anymore? Well, I think first acknowledge that Kamala Harris has not been the border czar that everybody wants. And so when you think about the fact that we are actually running against a president, Kamala Harris, you can only imagine Mm -hmm. the chaos that would go from it. And I actually went 400 miles down that border, Tudor, and it is unthinkable what I saw. I mean, from the fact that sheriffs are constantly trying to catch illegal immigrants turn them over to Border Patrol, Border Patrol documents them and releases them until their court date years from now. When you ask Border Patrol about their jobs, they tell you, you know, that they're glorified babysitters, that no one lets them do their job. And I think that what we have to do is I don't think enough credit goes to Governor Greg Abbott and the fact that he said, you know what, Texans can't bear this anymore. And if y'all think that we need to stop whining, why don't you take them? And the fact that he sent them to every sanctuary city was so telling because all of those governors and mayors of those areas basically were saying that Republicans were bad people because 
we didn't want to take illegal immigrants. Now they well, see and they're still calling him a psychopath. I mean, that's the crazy thing. They ended up with exactly what they wanted. They're going after Abbott and they're saying it should be a remain in Texas policy rather than remain in Mexico. And that's exactly why I think it's great he sent it, because now they feel just a drop of what those Texans are feeling with. They're feeling just a little bit of what they're mm-hmm. feeling on the northern border. I talked to that in Granite Staters in New Hampshire. But what we need to do is first we need to go to China and say, look, we'll end all normal trade relations with you until you stop killing Americans with fentanyl. And the second thing is, I think we need to send our special operations um, over to take out the cartels. We can't wait on Mexico anymore to do this. We can't allow one more American to die from this. We need to treat them like the terrorists that they are. I want to talk about that because you said that when you were talking to Jake Tapper. So I think that's interesting because that's a time when we know that the other side is actually listening. Your opponents have come out and said they'll go after them. They'll take them out. They'll kill them. But it has seemed very erratic. The way you talk about it is different. You talked about sending special forces going in there. Is there a way to work with Mexico on this? Or do you think America is alone on defeating the cartels? I think that Mexico is overwhelmed. Quite frankly, I think in Mexico's got some corruption, too, where they're getting paid by some of the cartels. I think that we obviously go in and we say, look, either you do this or we do this. But either way, we're going to get it done. But you don't wait on them. We can't keep waiting for Mexico to say, oh, we're going to figure this out. And we don't need to send full on military at the border. We have special operations, just like they took out bin Laden, just like they've taken out ISIS. We've Mm -hmm. got special operations that know how to do this and they can go and destroy the areas of the cartels. We need to see exactly where the production is happening. Those are the areas you take out. You look at the kingpins, those are the people you take out. And so you do anyone that has any control of the trafficking. And by the way, this is not just about drugs, but those that are trafficking people as well. And I think we need to treat them like the terrorists that they are. It needs to be, um, you know, fine tuned. Our special operations know exactly how to do this. They're incredibly um, professional in the way they do it. But we don't wait on Mexico. They can have an opportunity to fix it. But, you know, to me, we've given them enough opportunity and they continue not to do anything about it. Yeah. And you made the point that this is so urgent because fentanyl that has come across the border has killed more people in the United States than we've seen in three wars. This is this is a critical time. This is a crisis. When you talk about a health emergency, we're talking about not only taking care of children that are crossing the border, children that are being raped every day, but our own American. These are children's the children these are parents everybody who's being affected by fentanyl as well so i appreciate what you're talking about doing there i want to head to your experience as ambassador to the un and i think that this is something that people don't realize the experience that you've had and i've talked to people across the country who have said well what do you think about nikki haley and i said i mean if we look at the stage there are There is no one else that we see there who has been the chief executive of a state and also ambassador to the U.N. That gives you a foreign policy experience that the others up there just don't have. But when you were ambassador to the U.N., you took an America first approach to the U.S. foreign aid. The media manipulated that as punishment to poor nations. They considered it a strong arm approach to force these countries into receiving U.S. aid only if they align with American politics. Can you tell us the truth about that strategy? back then and how that experience shaped your foreign policy today? Well, I think for those that don't know about the United Nations, it basically required me to, I had to deal with the Chinese and the Russians every day. Every day I was having to interact with them, but I was dealing with 193 countries. And so, you know, 
I really went into the United Nations saying, I want countries to know what America's for and what America's against. I didn't care if they didn't like me, but I wanted them to respect America. And we did. We got to work. We pulled ourselves out of the Iran deal. I negotiated the largest set of sanctions against a country in a generation with North Korea. And I did that negotiating with China and Russia. Um, we moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem. But the best thing that we did was we took the kick me sign off of our backs and America was respected again. And when you look at that situation, I go back to one day when we were condemned by the entire world from moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And I was furious because while we were condemned, I was proud to issue the American veto. I was proud to let them know exactly how I felt about it. And I let the world know that. But I was upset because America has the right to put our embassy anywhere. We always put it in the capital of every country. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. So we were acknowledging a truth. But I went back to my office and I told my staff, I said, I want you to put a book together. In that book, I want you to list all 193 countries. I want the second column to be the percentage of times they vote with the U.S. and against mm. the U.S. And I want the third column to be how much foreign aid we gave them. And I took that book and I gave it to President Trump and he totally lost his mind. He's flipping pages. He's yelling out countries. He's all upset. And what I told him then was, I'm not saying you give foreign aid based on a percentage vote at the U.N., but that should be one of the things we look at. Quit trying to buy friends. Quit paying off enemies. Last year, America gave 50 billion dollars in foreign aid. You know who they gave it to? Pakistan, who tried to harbor terrorists who that kill, tried to kill our soldiers. Iraq, who has Iranian influence that says death to America. Zimbabwe, the most anti-American African country there is. America gave money to Belarus, who's holding hands with Russia as they invade Ukraine. We gave money to communist Cuba, who's now putting up a spy center with China, who the U.S. named a state sponsor of terrorism. And the biggest kick in the gut, Tudor, we gave money to China. How embarrassing do we look when I am president? We will no longer give money to countries that hate America. We need to be smart. We need to be strategic. And I think that's the biggest part about the foreign aid we need to understand is you don't make friends by giving them money. This is like a business deal. It has to be a win win. There can be small countries that we get something good from. There can be big countries that we get something good from. But it has to be countries who believe in what we're trying to do, which is save freedom, believe in democracy and fight off the enemies that want to destroy. You us. talk about the kick me sign. Just over the weekend, Joe Biden came out and said that, well, before he said he had to go to bed to, on the world stage, he came out and said he wanted to see China succeed. What does China succeeding look like for the U.S.? Defeating America. Mm -hmm. I mean, China is an enemy. They've been preparing for war with us for years. It is unbelievable to me how weak in the knees Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are when it comes to China. This is not a country who just talks about not liking America. This is a country who has already infiltrated America. They have bought up 400,000 acres of U.S. soil, most recently near Grand Forks Air Force Base, where our most sensitive drone technology is. Never forget, food security is national security. So as they buy up this farmland, it's a real issue. They've bought the largest pork producer in our country, in Iowa. They continue to go and put millions of dollars into our universities by 
stealing our research and spreading Chinese propaganda. There are technologies that we never want China to have because we know it builds up their military and it threatens America. Joe Biden's administration approved 70% of that technology last year. We have Chinese communist parties that are lobbying our members of Congress. Mm -hmm. And as much as everyone was upset about that Chinese spy balloon, 90% of law enforcement drones in our country are Chinese. So now think of all of those mini spy balloons all over. They, you said it before, the number one cause of death for adults 18 to 45 is fentanyl. Don't think for a second China doesn't know what they're doing when they send it over. And when you look at the military, look at how they've built up their military. China has the largest naval fleet in the world. They have 350 right. ships. They'll have 400 ships in two years. We won't even have 350 ships in two decades. They're, they've developed hypersonic missiles. We've barely gotten started. They're doing cyber, artificial intelligence, space. They've now become the biggest developer of neurostrike weapons, which is um, engineering ability to change the brain activity of military commanders and segments of the population. China is not playing. The problem is Joe Biden is asleep at the wheel and President Kamala Harris won't even know what to do with this. We need to wake up and see them for the enemy that they are. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. 
like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let me ask you, we have, you mentioned that there are people in Congress who have talked to the CCP, who have talked to CCP agents. We have a congresswoman in Michigan. Her name is Alyssa Slotkin. She is running for Senate in the state of Michigan now. We have an open Senate seat. She signed an NDA with a Chinese company who is buying up land in the state of Michigan right next to a military base here. They are putting in a Chinese battery factory. We don't know what these batteries will be used for. All we know is that the word on the street is that they will go to another country, likely Morocco, not even to anybody in the United States. They'll not be used in the United States. But this woman, and Alyssa Slotkin, who's running for Senate right now in the state of Michigan, signed a non-disclosure agreement to sit down with this company. They are known, very connected to the CCP. They have a Chinese Communist Committee in their company. The CEO of the American subsidiary is the secretary of that CCP committee, and they are giving $715 million of taxpayer money to go to this company to buy land in the state of Michigan and run this factory there. If that's what they're even doing, we don't know. Alyssa Slotkin goes, because she signed the non-disclosure agreement. What do you say about the fact that we have people in Congress who are signing NDAs with the CCP because the Biden administration said this is out of their juris- jurisdiction? What does a Haley administration do about this? That's a complete disqualifier from her serving in office because she is literally going against the national security of Americans. We have to look at this as the national security issue it is. You don't get to sign NDAs with the Communist Chinese Party. And that's why I don't want to just end the lobbying of these Chinese companies. I want to end all foreign lobbying. That's what ambassadors are for. We need to stop all of this. But the fact that they are doing that, one, I don't want them buying U.S. soil. But not only that, I want to take back what they've already bought. I want to make sure that we go and really get China out of our country. We cannot have them here anymore. All they're trying to do is do harm. And we have to start seeing this for the national security threat it is. I hope it, that, that we continue to expose her for what she's done. I hope we expose other members of Congress because she's not the only one. And I hope that every American realizes that's a disqualifier for them serving for office. Because if you will go and put Americans' safety in danger by negotiating with communist China, the Chinese party who wants to destroy America, you no longer need to serve the American people. Amen. I agree with you there. I want to go back. You talked about the Iran nuclear deal. You've been called the Iran whisperer. You played a prominent role in the decision to repeal that nuclear deal. But Americans can be naive as to the dangers of other countries. Iran will hang their own people in the streets if they disagree with the regime. China has been accused of genocide of the Uyghurs, also holding laborers as slaves and also many other human rights offenses. North Korea is a starving country run by a dictator consumed by his own quest to become a nuclear power. And let's go to Russia for a second, because Vladimir Putin doesn't even prosecute his political opponents. He just kills them. We all remember Alexei Nelvani, who was poisoned. We all remember Prigozhin, who just a few weeks ago, his plane fell from the sky. What a coincidence. 
What happens if these countries that are being called the new axis of evil align? And how does your administration address this? They are already aligning. So you can see the unification of China and Russia. I mean, it's why I will always say a win for Russia is a win for China. But you can see the unification of Russia and China. They named Iran as their junior partner. And now you see Russia really getting in close with North Korea. And they're all aligned for one reason. They all hate America. And so we have to focus on what it takes to stop them. The first thing you have to look at is when you look at this Russian-Ukrainian war, it's why it matters so much. Because if Ukraine wins, it sends the biggest message to China on not to invade Taiwan and lets them know that we're paying attention. And so we have to focus on that war. Remember, it is only three and a half percent of our defense budget, um, you know, percentage of GDP. Eleven European countries have spent more than America. And so that's a pretty small price to pay and a pretty good return on investment to prevent further war. You said you don't want to actually send cash to Ukraine. You said you want to you want to send arms. You want to protect them. The Biden administration right now is getting a lot of heat over sending cash to Ukraine and leaving Hawaii just kind of out there. People haven't even been able to return to their homes. There's this sense in the country. And I think some of this came from the America first rhetoric that you are either for America or you are for an America that looks outside of the country as well. You've said that those things are not mutually exclusive. To stay a leader in this world, you have to be able to do both. So how do you address Ukraine and how do you address Hawaii at the same time? You know, it's the same issue with the border. I mean, any candidate that tells you you have to choose between the border and Ukraine or that you have to choose between Hawaii and Ukraine, they're just lying to you. I mean, America can handle multiple things at the same time. First of all, we should help the people of Hawaii. I mean, what happened to them is horrific. What you've seen them lose is is awful. And and Americans should rally and we should be there in support of them. <clears throat> When you look at Ukraine, I honestly don't think we should ever give cash to any country because I don't think we can hold it accountable. We should always have durable things that we can see that we can hold accountable so that we know. So I don't think we should give cash to Ukraine. I don't think we should put troops on the ground. But I think we need to work with our um, allies to make sure they have the equipment and the ammunition to win. And the reason for that is dictators always tell you what they're going to do. China said they were going to take Hong Kong. They did. Russia said they were going to invade Ukraine. We watched them. China says Taiwan is next. We better believe them. Russia said after Ukraine, it's Poland and the Baltics. If that happens, then we are all at war. That's what we're trying to prevent. I am the, the spouse of a combat veteran. My husband is now currently deployed. The last thing any military family wants is to see their loved ones have to go fight a war. I am determined to prevent war, but the only way you prevent war is with strength. We need to finish this. There is a reason the Taiwanese are the biggest supporters of us and the Europeans sending aid and equipment to Ukraine. It's because they know if the Ukrainians win, China won't touch them. That's what we have to remember. And so we need to start focusing on doing multiple things at one time. National security should always be the focus. We have to protect Americans. But we can also do things like protecting the border, supporting the people in Hawaii, 
if, if we want to talk about spending, why don't we talk about the fact that Republicans and Democrats are spending like drunken sailors? Why don't we talk about the fact that we're now $32 trillion in debt and we're having to borrow money just to make our interest payments? Why don't we talk about the fact that Republicans opened up earmarks for the first time in 10 years um, when one in six American families can't pay their utility bill and 60 percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck? So, you know, a lot of what you're going to hear other candidates say are scare tactics. But the reality is a leader knows how to prioritize and a leader knows how to make sure that, yes, Americans are taken care of first, but you always protect the national security of America. Because we all just saw, again, the evil that happened on 9-11. America can never be so arrogant to think that that won't happen again. Well, we've seen a lot of this. You brought up spending. We've seen a lot of the spending going into these kind of pie in the sky ideas. We see what's going on with even the Secretary of Energy going on a road trip and realizing that she can't charge her fleet in enough time to get to the next place. I mean, this idea that we can get these charging systems up and we're paying everybody to buy electric vehicles, the government can't buy an industry, but they're certainly trying. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Taiwan. You hit on that because we have a source inside the military that tells us that Taiwan bought and paid for jets from the United States. These jets three years ago were never delivered during the Biden administration. He decided to put this delivery on hold. Now, when he puts a delivery of jets on hold, he doesn't have to let Congress know. He only has to tell them if he cancels the contract. We are wondering, first of all, did these jets go to Ukraine? Where are these jets? But secondly, is Biden too compromised by China to be sure that we for us to be sure that he will protect Taiwan? And could this be more nefarious than just putting this order on hold? Well, two things to that. First of all, um, this isn't the first time Biden's pulled something like that. If you remember, Russia surrounded Ukraine a whole year before they actually invaded. And during that time, there was a shipment that was supposed to go to Ukraine in March of that year. Biden held it back because he didn't want to upset Putin. There was another shipment that was supposed to go in June of that year. Biden pulled that back because he didn't want to upset Putin. Every ounce of that was weakness to show Putin that he was okay to do the aggression. And then you had the Afghanistan debacle, and that was the green light for everyone. And so now you look at what's happening with China. And once again, he's scared of his shadow, he's weak in the knees, and we don't know what other issues are at play when it comes to that. But it makes no sense after seeing what happened with Russia and Ukraine for him not to already be giving something that Taiwan has asked and paid for. Give it to them, because what you're doing when you don't do that is you're sending the same smoke signals you sent to Putin before he invaded Ukraine. You're sending those same smoke signals to Xi as he wants to invade Taiwan. It, it really does make no sense. I mean, he has been running from everything since he took office. Kamala Harris is not doing anything about it. And an America that runs scared is an America that's vulnerable. We have to be strong. We have to let our enemies know that we will have that they will have hell to pay if they do anything that endangers Americans or any of our allies. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we feel vulnerable overseas and we feel vulnerable on American soil. I want to talk a little bit about education right now because parents are looking for someone who is going to improve education in this country. In Michigan, we have many schools that barely reach 5% in reading and math proficiency. Some of your opponents have come out and said they want to eliminate the Federal Department of Ed and throw all of the control back to the states. Right now, when you look at the situation with where we are in In many Democrat cities where kids are actually not getting an education, the education is being stolen from them. I've heard we recently heard a black pastor say in the 1960s, there were school administrators that stood in the doorways keeping black children out. Today, school administrators stand in the doorways keeping black children in. These schools are not teaching these kids. Is it the right time right now to say that the president and Washington, D.C. in general should completely step away from public education when the system's failing so many kids? It's really sad. I mean, as a mom, the fact we have one job, one job, and that's to make sure our kids have a better life than we did. And You know, everybody wants to blame this education situation on COVID. I mean, you got to speak hard truths here. We had a problem with education before COVID. 
pre-COVID, 67% of eighth graders in our country were not proficient in reading or math. A couple of months ago, it came out that over 80% were not proficient in history or civics. And then two weeks ago, they come out and they say our 13-year-olds are scoring the lowest in decades in reading and math. And so we've got kids in a world of hurt. What we need to do is first focus on in South Carolina, we knew if a child couldn't read by third grade, they were four times less likely to graduate high school. So we started holding our kids back. We brought in reading remediation plans. We brought in their parents and we set them up for success. We've got to do that all over this country. We also have to acknowledge the fact that D.C. is not looking out for our children. We have to make sure no parent should ever wonder what's being said or taught to their child in the classroom. We need complete transparency in the classroom. And we need to make sure that parents decide which schools their kids go to. Every child deserves a good education, regardless of where they're born and raised. No child should be mandated based on a zip code. And so what I'll tell you is I think that we need to take a lot of those programs. I'm not just going to do it with Department of Education, but for all of our federal agencies, I plan on moving a lot of those programs down to the states because what you do is you reduce the size of the federal government and you empower the people and the states on the ground. So think education, think healthcare, think welfare, think benefits. There's a lot that we can do down there. But I also think we need to bring vocational classes back into the high schools. In South Carolina, we made we did apprenticeships all over our state so that our kids were learning how to build what we were making. But those vocational classes, a vocational class curriculum in South Carolina would be very different than a vocational class curriculum in right. Michigan or Texas or anywhere else. So that's why sending the money down to the states and letting the states decide what our kids need is hugely important. We've seen the dangers of these teachers unions. And what I will say to every parent is we are not going to turn over custody of our children to school bureaucrats or teachers unions to tell us how to parent. We need to keep control and we need to fight for parents in the way that we do that. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, one last question before I let you go. We have had so many people come out and say that they have been injured by this vaccine. This is the one vaccine where pharmaceutical companies have not had to release their data. We don't know what they're seeing as side effects. We don't know if they are seeing that this myocarditis is dangerous. There are parents that are scared. They want answers. Will you require the pharmaceutical companies to release their data and let the, our universities look through it and find out what exactly is happening when these young people are taking vaccines and then having blood clots, having heart issues? Absolutely. And let's take it a step further. You know, I mean, first of all, you saw during COVID what happened. You know, when I was governor of South Carolina and we had hurricanes, the thing I would do is I'd go on TV twice a day and I would tell South Carolinians everything I knew, the dangers, the challenges, what we weren't sure of, what we were trying to fix, full transparency. We need a government that's fully transparent to Americans, not a government that mandates and tells them what to do. What should have happened is they should have given people all of the information we had on the virus, the vaccines and everything in between and let those people decide whether they thought it was in the best interest for them, their children, their families. That didn't happen. We can never let that happen again. The second thing is when it comes to healthcare, we need to expose all of it. The insurance companies, the hospitals, the pharmaceutical companies, the PBMs, the doctors, they need to start making everything transparent. 
I trust the American people. They know how to make the best decisions, but we deserve every ounce of information to be able to make those decisions. So yes, absolutely. In order for us to go forward, we need to know one, what was done to our bodies and two, what would happen in the future going forward in terms of any kind of vaccine. I have to say, as someone who's gone through my own medical challenges, to hear you say that the negotiation shouldn't be between the hospital and the insurance company, that the patient should be involved. It was it was so meaningful. I remember getting those bills afterward and going, how? How can this possibly be? So that I think every American can say thank you. And, and I say thank you so much for being here today. Nikki Haley, please tell us how people can support you. Where can they find you? Where are you going next? We have a country to save and we are going to continue to be in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina and all over this country. Go to NikkiHaley.com. You can find out where we're going to be. You can join our veterans for Nikki, our women for Nikki. You can volunteer or you can just pitch in five, ten, twenty five dollars today. We will finish this. We will finish this. And in order to do that, that means we're going to have to have a lot of courage, courage from everyone in this country, courage for me to run and courage for everyone to remember. Don't complain about what happens in a general election if we don't play in this primary. It matters. But I know that we'll get this done. So join us at NikkiHaley.com and let's take our country back. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. You go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to fourpatriots.com/tutor to get your solar generator. Generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.